decoded. Welcome to Founder Tech Decoded. Delighted on this episode to talk to Mike Stevens from Right Founder. Mike and I met at the back end of last year at um, Techstars in London. We shared a stage and it was quite evident that we are kind of tackling similar problems from different perspectives. In fact, Mike may be the first person that I spoke to where I thought, hold on a second, there are a bunch of us doing really interesting things in sort of reimagining the founder, investor uh, landscape that actually there may be something bigger going on here. Um, so it's fantastic to have Mike on the podcast and talk about his work with Right Founder, which reimagines and recalibrates how founders find their co-founders. Um, it sounds simple, but more often than not, these relationships are absolutely central and key as to why most startups either end up in arguments, store, stop, or illegal disputes. Um because the founders are not aligned um, and what seems like a very good idea with all the goodwill at the beginning rapidly reveals that the two or three people trying to launch this actually aren't very sort of sympathetic to each other's goals, aspirations, at a much deeper level beyond the product. And this is a common reason for startup failure. Um, Mike has decided with his co-founders to address this um, and build Right Founder as simply as a platform that enables founders to analyze each other and align with each other and evaluate with each other so so they don't eventuate at those roadblocks. So Mike, welcome to the podcast. Um, it's a few months, well, it must be six, seven months since we were on stage together, but um, yes, welcome. It's a real, real pleasure to have you. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, it's, it's great to be on. They're always fun to chat about founder, founder problems and what we're all doing about it. Yeah, so do you want to share why you decided to launch right founder like what what why what was the sort of uh, as we try and kind of start the conversations on the podcast the sort of the source code where you looked at kind of the current assumptions the current landscape the way it was built and thought actually there's bugs in that there's problems in that and those 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 can be quite simply addressed and and and, and be made and, and if they are addressed it's better for everybody do you want to just talk about that that process how you arrived at that yeah so i mean I mean, I guess I'm, you know, I'm typical of most entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurs that you you have on this podcast, and in, in the fact that, um, you know, we want to solve problems. So we all have these great ideas for what sort of products we want to bring bring to the world and how those products are going to help our customers. Um, but often, what we found find in that process, it's really hard to build products, launch businesses and, you know, scale them, become successful. There's loads of things in, in our way. And one of the things that I considered, I mean, my first business um, that I founded was a, um, it wasn't a tech business, it was a food and drink. It was a brand called Peppersmith, where you might have seen it, we made, <clears throat> um, made um, good for you um, chewing gum, mints, it was a confectionery business. Yes. Um, but in that business, I had a co-founder, uh, a chap called Dan, and we worked together through, you know, throughout the, you know, Peppersmith, we, we grew the business together, we scaled it and eventually sold it. And I considered, um, you know, at the end of that journey, I was sort of looking back and thought, ooh, you know, what would I have done differently had I, you know, 
you know sort of did, did the business again and one of the things I, I thought about with my co-founder and in fact I was really lucky so Dan was a brilliant co-founder he was he was a friend he had complementary skills uh, we got on well and we built this business together um but you know i was thinking ooh, you know when i went into business with him it wasn't very scientific it was we sort of like each other you know we sort of quite like the the bigger problem we're going to solve why don't we just do it and it was only after working with, with him for six seven eight years that i came to understand his true personality you know what his motivations were what his aspirations are um what his um environment was uh, yeah, all of these things, which are really fundamental, that affects how you, you how you run a business, how you operate, how you build your relationships. And when you've got a co-founder relationship, I mean, it's, it is it's the old um, classic example. It's always like being married. It really is. You are so important to each other and the success of your business. If you don't have a solid um, relationship and everything lines up a bit like a like a puzzle, if there's any pieces that are missing, you're going to be in trouble. And it just occurred to me that if I, you know, did did it all again i would have not wanted to leave um that's a chance as i said i was lucky but i've you know in my time of, of being a founder i saw so many businesses that sort of imploded because they weren't as lucky uh, and they had all these problems they had problems with with alignment and that could be that could be due to personality motivation skill sets um but often it was just about you know there's, there's circumstances you know what happens when you go and start a family or you, you 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 move house or you know things happen around you can it radically change uh, the way you want to work and um and when that happens you often find it's actually your co-founder um relationship is inc incompatible with the business you're trying to build um so it was for that reason i thought wouldn't it be great if you could just have a few more tools at the beginning of your journey to assess are you go about to go into the business with the right person yeah see so what's so interesting is like um the, the commonalities with some of the other conversations in that everything you've just said then considering that we're generally talking about huge amounts of capital in play you know with the backs you know back successful co-founders or or funded co-founders let's say that what you've just said is common sense right this is this is the fundamental axis of the business um it is key to to its 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 strategic kind of implementation and success and yet most of it or most of the time even from sophisticated investors' point of view, that relationship is not properly analysed, and there's no reason why it shouldn't be. And, and one of the reasons why why it's not, and this is the sort of legacy that I think founder tech is going to build on top of and kind of maybe make irrelevant, is like this myth. There's lots of myths that go or go around in the, in the startup ecosystem, and one of them is this myth of the co-founders. Right? You meet you meet your co-founders suddenly randomly, you get together, you build an empire, you grow rich, then you end up arguing. And the, but the arguing is way you know way down the line. You have this massive flurry of success, and 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 there's this kind of like real um, archetypal sense to that relationship. Whereas as you're saying, why why leave that to chance? You still can have that archetypal kind of you know like alignment and create create great things together, but why why leave that on the table to chance? Why why not actually ask simple questions um, that can then lead to more sophisticated questions to just see, as you say, you know, are you aligned on a just just in terms of even like a I remember you talking about just the time scale is not even ever discussed, um, and 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 I think this is the thing. This like none of that seems like well, you know none of that seems difficult to ask up from and yet people don't 
So I'd be interested to think of like where this myth of the co-founder comes from and why these questions aren't being asked. Yeah, I think first of all, I would say, yeah, I am a huge fan of co-founders, um, whether that's that's one or, or, or more co-founders that you work with. Sure. I think working together, you achieve so much more. Uh, and also, you know, as I said at the very start, building businesses is hard. So to have support um, around you where you can lean on each other and you can combine your, your efforts, you're going to get further than you are on your own. Um, so... I'm a fan of co-founder, but it goes back to actually, yeah, what what do you need? And I think the main problem is, it's and it's not a myth around co-founders as such. It's just about assumptions. I think right. it's it's so easy to do, and I think I was certainly guilty of it, and I and I see this in so many others that we just assume that individuals that we're going into business with are just like ourselves. They have the same personality the same motivations the same ambitions um the same backgrounds the same circumstances and and that some of that might be true and really where where things go right actually those assumptions prove to be true but you know wouldn't it be visible to actually test those assumptions? Let's make sure those assumptions are correct before we actually um, make the ne- make the next step. Because if they're not, if you get it wrong, and it is easy to get wrong, um, again, you can run into trouble. So let's just talk about some of this. Let's start very simple. What are the, some of the simple uh, assumptions that you look at with Right Founder? Like, let's just start with things like time. You know, like the, the length of time, amount of engagement. Just let's start with the basics that you that you that you look at. Yeah, I mean, I mean, time's a big one, and this is about commitment. And you know, you think it can be a, a um, on a more micro level, it's about how many hours a week have you got to devote to um, this business? And you get some co-founders. You I know, mean, if you're like me at the moment, I've got tons of projects going on. It's really hard for me to dedicate a significant portion of my time to any one project. Um, but for other co-founders, it might be they're all in. It's like, I'm going to work on this 100 hours a week. It's my thing. And if you've got two co-founders like that, where one can maybe put 20 hours a week in and the other one wants to put in 100 hours a week, you know, there is going to be a huge disconnect in terms of, you know, who's doing what and how do you sort out the equity in that basis? How do you sort out responsibilities? Um, how do you just sort out expectations when that is the case? And that often happens because you just don't ask. To ask that question in terms of what else have you got going on, and it's really important if you have a co-founder. You know, even if you're happy that you know your co-founder maybe can't work on this full time because they have other stuff going on, ask what she or he uh, is up to. Understand their other projects. You know, can they be beneficial to this project? Are they going to be really detrimental? Are they going to, you know, are they going to be a distraction? Do you, do you support what they're doing? You know, have you got the same, you know, the, the same values in terms of, of what they're doing? Um, you've just got to talk through all of that. I mean, the big thing that we have, so we've got Right Founder as a tech solution. Um, you, you, you log in and, you know, it asks you a series of questions. And from those inputs, we use our experience to advise um you know you as a, as a co-founder or a potential co-founder you know this is the sort of things you should be looking for this is going to be a good fit and this you know and these are the areas where you might have some issues so so we just do that but what we do we just say look ask all these questions we bring it all to the surface and by doing that it just allows you as individuals as as co-founders you can chat through them and once you chat through them you get a real much better understanding in terms of who you are and where you're at and then from that you can build a business around it yeah i mean it's it's 
it's, it's so similar. We, you know, our approach is so similar. We do the same thing, obviously, around the founders' uh, relationship to their idea, the founder market fit. It's the same process. Ask them, ask the founder the right questions as to why they're the person to fix the problem um, before you back them, you know, fully, before you cross a line that's harder to kind of uh, revert from. Um, and and, and it, they, again, they're, they're very, very common sense questions. Um, let Let's maybe talk about, because I, I, I agree, co-founders are incredibly important. And I think these journeys are very, very difficult to go on alone. And I think I think the value of getting it right and the value of what you're doing, if you can have a, a, a two or three people around you, uh, you know, collectively, I don't think I don't think it ever works more than three or four. Um, that you get into just too, it's just too many dynamics. But certainly a good, you know, good co-founder or two uh, working with you can you know, just change everything for you and, and all bring different skills to the table. So saying all that, and let's come back to that, um, let's just sort of maybe talk about one or two case studies where it doesn't work because everybody knows them, but I think it would be interesting to discuss that. Um, I, I've, I've seen maybe, obviously not mentioning any names and being specific, but I've seen many examples of this where exactly as you're talking about everybody goes into it with the most goodwill in the world um they are you know on the surface they look like um the co-founders are very very attractive to investors you know they bring a lot and then within months they are completely you know they're diverging they're diverging from from and, and once that divergence happens the team that they've then recruited i think sense that very very quickly and then it becomes very very difficult um because obviously in a startup you're, you have to be so aligned and agile and adaptive that if you've got co-founders with different messages, it makes that core kind of competency of a startup. And what differentiates a startup, obviously, from a main, mainstream organization is that ability to respond and adapt. And when that communication starts to break down or bifurcate into kind of two different points of view, it's extraordinarily dif difficult to lead that team. Would you would you agree for that? That kind of divergence is a is a real real problem. And when would you say that kind of occurs, and what what can cause that divergence to happen? Yeah, and uh, and I think what you find, and this is where where is a real problem, is it happens over time. So yeah. you know, at the start, you go through the honeymoon period where you know every, everything's great, and the things, even the things that are not great, you can just gloss over them a bit because you're all just so excited about getting going. And then you you know raise some money and you build a team, uh, and it's only then when when the cracks become so big that the, you know you can't avoid them and then the, you know your, your co-founders are pulling in different directions and when that does happen that can be really disastrous in terms of you know what it means to the business if you know if the co-founders are pulling in different directions so you, you know strategy goes out the window but then also so does culture um so for the team that hires like oh you know you know who <laughs> why is this thing what should we be doing how should we be working and why should we care they're, they're the thing so i mean i um if you if anyone goes on the right founder website we've got a number of uh, sort of case studies on the blog and there's a um a, a, a friend of mine called mesh who was a part of um pylabs who was an incubator program and he's got he's given me a couple of really good examples of on his experience i mean the first one came um when he joined uh, PyLabs. I mean, he went in as a young co-founder, assuming that he would have, you know, huge levels of responsibility and that you know, sort of as, a, as an equal peer with um, his co-founder. He quickly discovered that no, he was, um, you know, 
his co-founder um, was what was a, you know he wanted to be be the main man and uh, and, and Mesh's ideas were sort of taking second fiddle and that just causes you know that just caused the problem you know that's not right so you know it, you he had joined as a co-founder and it all went wrong because he didn't he, he you know he didn't have the responsibilities or join the business that he thought he thought he was so you know he soon got out of that but then he uh, and then he founded another business and he had a very different problem and this happens a lot as well he's actually his new co-founder they got on great but in fact they had too much in common they were both technical co-founders um which meant you know they were trying to build a business and the products but yet because they had the same skill set they weren't able to do all the tasks that was necessary so it's um so it's not just about you know it's not just about one thing or the other the you know being a being a co-founder for me is like a business it's so complicated there are all these different aspects that all have to gel together and if you get um any of them wrong or you, you know, say you you may you build a business where you know assumptions that you have made are incorrect you you do just have problems so you know right founder again is, is a tool that just all it does is just uh, it tries to bring out these um the simple questions you should ask and actually what do the answers to those questions what does it mean and the reason that i'm you know i'm, I'm doing right founder now as well as one of my projects is is because I could not have known what were the right questions and really importantly what the answers mean before her I had already been through this once and also you know myself and seen you know my my peer group of founders around me um, now I've got the experience I sort of know what, what what's important um, and that's why I think you have to be uh, an experienced entrepreneur to to sort of um, to build these sort of products. However, they are products and they're primarily for people who haven't had the experience to help them on their way. Um, so, you know, to help them get it right. And when you get it right, things are so much more efficient and you can be more successful. And if you get them wrong, it helps you avoid the pain. So let's talk about the ideal blend and maybe the evolution of the co-founder relationship. So you mentioned before the typical co-founder that relationship the investors have always looked to is a a sort of a non-technical and a technical co-founder that those have always seemed to be um uh, the most desirable i'd be very interested in your view because what keeps coming up again and again in founder tech conversations is that the tech part um of course as you start to scale a product and, and particularly if it's like deep tech there's there's huge amounts of expertise that are needed you know to to, to do that but the initial tech that's needed around an MVP has become easier and easier to execute with no-code, low-code tools. But do you still think you need, right at the beginning, uh, a non-technical or sort of a market-facing co-founder and a technical co-founder? Or do you think that is shifting to um, actually what you need are founders that are deeply immersed in the problem um, day to day, they are they're deeply entrenched. They have an unfair advantage because of that immerse, immersion, um, and because of that kind of insight perspective, that that hard one perspective. Do you think the emphasis has reduced on on the need for a technical co-founder and the value of a technical founder because of no code, low code tools? Uh, yes and no. I mean, as always, the annoying answer: it depends. And it depends on what is the problem you're trying to solve. I mean, I think if you are trying to use, um, if you're if you're using no code, um, it means that there's you know lower barriers of entry. So you know if you're you know whatever problem you solve, 
uh, it probably means you know you're going to have to work really hard to establish yourself as a um, as the go-to tool for whatever you build. But where there is some uh, element of you know you might call it deep tech or just you know certainly you move away from no code, you need to have some sort of a you know, technical capability. Then you can build something that you can protect and to last, and and really importantly, you can solve bigger problems. So um, you know when it comes to tech, there's yeah it depends on what what you're trying to build, who for. Uh, but I say, yeah, of course there is, and it's, there is um, the need for different roles. And again, that's just one of the things we try and look at in terms of who is going to do what in this business. Um, what does this business need? And then who are going to do those things? If you go back to that last example I mentioned, if you had two technical um, co-founders, it means they're just trying to do the same things. And there's so many other things that you need to do as a founder, whether it's sales and marketing and investor relations and building teams and and legal and yeah, all all the things you know, data and uh, strategy, things that you need to do. And if you haven't got those that skill set in your in your co-founder makeup, then yeah, you're going to run into trouble. And this is why investors love, you know, the uh, the non-tech person and the tech person because it's good complementary skills. So, um, yeah, I would encourage you to look at, you know, just just work out what what does your business need. And I think it will become evident if uh, if you haven't got those gaps. And then you say, in terms of if you have got a gap, how do you fulfill them? I mean, you can get a um, you, you can get additional co-founders to fill those gaps, or maybe it's like okay, very quickly we're going to need to employ someone who can do this stuff. So um, it just needs looking at, and, and whatever I guess, whatever dynamic you get, there's normally a solution there. But you know, I, if you're if you're working with a co-founder who's got the same skill sets as you and wants to do the same things, I, w- I would question, you know, how's that going to work? Is there a sense of being? Um, you could even take that one step further. So we also try and kind of extrapolate out from 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 the discussion that actually an investor could come to an, uh, an initial founder solo founder and say hey we'd like you to have one or two co-founders and using right founder they could actually determine the co-founders that you need and then you can recruit identify and recruit those co-founders proactively rather than just kind of inherit them is that something that you see uh, in the future yeah absolutely i mean you know the tool the tool can do that i mean but it's meant to be yeah an investor might ask you to um, do the right founder test, and then between you, the in between the the investor and the founder, you can quickly see where where the gaps are and what you might need. But really, I you know we're building this tool for founders. It's a tool for founders more than investors, and the founders should be able to look at this themselves and think, oh, now I understand you know what I'm good at, what I want to be doing, and what I want to do with this business. Help them identify and you know where 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 they can get support from a co-founder and also what it does as well is like you know you've got someone in mind it's like, oh i you know I've, I've i've met this guy at the you know the, the uh, incubator or whatever networking event or on the scale and i think she you know she's going to be the one i want to work with and actually you can you can run the test and say oh this is what you need and you can compare that person to what you need um and then you can really see if there's a good fit or not uh, again, it's, it, it feels like common sense, and it always baffles me why these aren't the norms. So, imagine we were having a call, right? You're recruiting me for your startup, right? But you've recruited me, and you you're, you're talking to me because of you've run the test on Right Founder, and you can show me and say, "Hey, Dan, look, we need someone like you because you have X, Y, Z experience. You know, you've got this much capacity, this much bandwidth. You know, we think you're a really good fit." That immediately makes me feel more valued and, and more targeted and surely makes the conversation 
much better for everybody because you're starting off on on that foot that informed from that informed place and i feel like actually you're talking to me specifically that that must be best practice in the future right like when people are approaching people that you do invariably meet at these events and actually saying yeah we have these needs does this person match them right i want to approach them and kind of confirm that do you see that as a kind of like you know increasingly what how it could could work yeah i mean in terms of skills absolutely and this is always the classic isn't it in an interview you have your um your sort of your idea for roles and responsibilities for an individual and you sort of you you see someone you like and you sort of skip over those and you again you're just hoping for the best it's like oh i like this person so i sort of believe yeah. in them and i want them to succeed even though if you went that next level deeper you know are they the best fit maybe maybe not but one thing i would say just to go back to the start of your this, this question it's um you know it's not only about you know you as a I, i'm a founder i want to found a uh, a business and i know that i'm going to need some help it's also for that you know perspective co-founder you find you say look you know i know i'm going to need a technical co-founder you seem to be a you know a technical co-founder who um who, who might want to start a business with me but that person will again they should do get you to do the test uh or, or do, do the test and find out you know are are you as that you know you know <laughs> yeah on the other side it's like are you a good match for me is this exactly. and, and and really importantly it's not just about the individuals it's about the business is the business a good match for you yeah you you made me think of something i i think i think it might come up when we met like i, I started my career in the music business and you used to get these bizarre scenarios where you'd have like this massive international act managed by the brother of the artist you know, a uh, cousin who was a plumber who once knew something about, you know, did you know, managed a gig venue for the, you know, in their local town. And they end up managing this enormous act simply by dint of being in, at the right place and the only person that, you know, that was known. And it kind of strikes me as like sometimes that happens with founders at the moment. It's literally the person that's just that happens to be there and appropriate feels appropriate. But you know, and, and again, I think there is like is there is a myth towards that. There, there's a, there's a, there's a, that's the that's the stuff that ends up on Netflix series, right? That I just bumped into someone and then it happened. But I do think that this kind of found the tech kind of next stage where everything you've described is actually in the interests of everyone. It doesn't it doesn't detract from the romance. It doesn't detract from the journey. It doesn't detract from the um you know like they like let's do something great together. It doesn't take away any of that or diminish any of that. It's still all of that's in play. It's just taking a pause, a breath, a beat, and going. Let's look at this properly before we do this, right? And and I and I just can't see. I mean, maybe you can see a downside. I can't see a downside to to having that conversation. Have you in you know as a, as a team looked at any downsides of it? Like, do, do, have you kind of looked at well, actually, if we make it too linear, we do reduce the chemistry or the magic. Like, have you have you had that conversation? Oh, not not as such, but I, you know, I ha- I have met founders who are actually resistant to this. And I think, you know, where where you get that those uh, that resistance comes from people not wanting to be too introspective and getting too much into their own psyche. They're actually a bit scared because what, what they don't want to do is, uh, you know, um, work out, oh, again, what they're trying to do or that, you know, the, the team they built around them or the co-founders they built around them. They don't want to lean into the fact that it's actually it's a bit broken. 
So I think, you know, in terms of is it ever a downside? I don't think it is unless you, um, you know, you don't want you don't want to face it, face into it. And you just are just hoping for the best. Um, so, I mean, I think that's 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 the biggest thing. I'm just trying to think of any other downsides in terms of doing this. No, I mean, the uh, the the best example, you know, go back to that old, you know, the old adage about, you know, being in a co-founder is a lot by being married. It yeah. is true, but the difference yeah. between being a co-founder and you know getting married uh, is that when you get married, you get you meet someone, you go on dates, you might then you go on holidays, and then you meet their families, and then you uh, you might live together for a bit, and then only after you do all that stuff, what normally takes most people years, then you think, oh, actually, we're a good fit. Why don't we get married? When you're you know you do when you found a business with someone, you know it's all just so quick. You make, you know, and the only way you can uh, you can make it that quick is you just make all these assumptions. Say, look, it's going to be great. You have this amount of equity. I have this amount. You, you know, you have these responsibilities. Yeah. I have these, and let's just get get the hell on with it. That's what happens all the time, and yeah. and it's so great. And you don't have the opportunity to work out to understand that individual properly and to understand yourself properly, and then to see if you're a good match. So what we're trying to do at Right Founder is just like give you the tools to actually just ask a few more questions so you can do it at the rapid pace that you want to, um, but hopefully um, by uh, you know, highlighting you know things that need to be thought about um, before you really get into it. Okay, so we're nearly we're nearly at time. So um, it's really important piece of this this conversation, the founder tech conversation. Is really 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 pleased we could do this. Um, do you want to? I know. You, do you want to? Um, is there any kind of calls to action you want for people listening to this? Like, you know, if you're at this place, this place. I know you described it pretty well, and you know, you know where to go to on the site. I know that's obviously quite evident when you get there. But just anything, anything from that point of view before we move to the and close with the APIs. Um, yeah, anything anything on that level. Yeah, that's just it. I mean, the, the big thing, Right Founder. So, Right Founder, it's um, it's being built at the moment. It is um, one of my uh, few side projects I've got on at the moment, or, or project. No, no projects are really side projects if you've committed to them. But it's a, it's one of the projects I'm working on. So, we are building it. Um, the first product should be out um, in the in the next month or so. And it's, it's taking um, quite a while to build, but that's good because it's um it proved out to be a bigger a bigger problem than we thought it would be in terms of actually what we're trying to build um so go on the website um, go on right founder you can sign up for early access so if you sign up you'll be one of the first people who get access to the test but importantly for me it's um you know those early testers are going to be the ones who provide the best feedback so if you're really passionate about um about founder founding businesses and being co-founders um sign up whether you're about to start a new business or not because you're going to be the ones who are going to be most helpful um and then also if you are just thinking about um uh, founding a new business and you and you want to understand what you need from a co-founder that will be the first um first product so sign up now and then um i can you, i can say quite comfortably you know if you do this test it's going to give you some help and it really importantly here it's um it will give you the best chance of having the most you know a successful business but beyond that it's about making sure that that process of building the business with someone else is enjoyable enjoyable and fulfilling yeah, and is there other things like um, do they need to be UK based, and do you th do you want anybody to submit some more? Are you looking for more case studies, you know, about founders, like anything like that that's useful? Yeah, I mean, the always useful. I mean, anyone who's got a good um, 
Uh, any good examples of um, sort of co-founders when it went right and when it went wrong? I also, if you go on the website, you'll see um, we've got some nice co-founder profiles as well. Different individuals or different businesses with co-founders and you can see about their dynamics. So if you'd like to put your business up there as a, you know, you've got an interesting sort of co-founder relationship or story, absolutely, let's put it up there. I mean, th this this um, project, um, this tool is all about helping co-founders. So uh, if you know anyone out there who feels that you know they can add to that conversation, go on the website and get in touch. And that's internationally. It works internationally. It doesn't matter where. Yeah, you are. yeah, it it does work. And it's I mean, it's about fundamentals, right? So yeah, um, yeah whether you're starting a business in in Bolton or, Bo or Bulgaria, it sh it should make sense. Great. Um, that's awesome. Um, we close with everyone with APIs. Can you share with us three or four? You know, books that you're reading, people that you tune into, podcasts that you're listening to, series, you know, that you've been streaming, anything that or a conversation that you've had that, that you that you're tapping into, as well as your book, Mike. You know, let's let's absolutely include include a plug for that as well. Uh, that's I know has just come out and um, is doing really well. So do you, do you want to just give us those APIs? Yeah. So I mean, I guess. You know, the things that I love the most uh, are sort of, you know, books and resources that explore fundamentals. I mean, this is, um, you mentioned my book. So I've just um, written a book called the uh, Direct-to-Consumer Playbook. Uh, and this is a book that looks at um, consumer goods brands and how they've used technology uh, and the internet to um, to help them, you know, serve their customers and build and build businesses, which is sort of away from the old fashioned model of, um, you know, selling your products in shops. Um, um, but writing this book, what what I did, I um I interviewed the founders of all the best direct to consumer companies that I that I know. Um, these are brands like Huel and Grays and and Tales dot com and heights and casper you know and bloom and wild so it's pretty big players out there and um and the reason i want to interview the founders is because i wanted to find out what was their real story in terms of how they built the business i'm not into tactics um so much i like fundamentals and so the you know my book is all about the fundamentals of building a d2c business and the books i'm attracted to uh or resources i'm attracted to again i talk about fundamentals i think the ones like you know um reed hastings uh is a great one in terms yep. of his podcast um i mean seth godin which i'm sure lots of people who are into marketing mentioned his name but he is a pretty special um he hasn't come up actually yet but he was the first first person to mention well yeah, seth, seth, seth Godin, if no one's come across him he is just a you know he's just a walking talking marketing masterclass. you know i i know him i'm surprised he hasn't come up no he, you're the first person to draw him but yeah he is he's, he was ahead of a lot of this stuff wasn't he He was ahead so yeah he's, he's, he's into tech and marketing and all, all the things that i guess a lot of people uh on this pod who listen to this podcast and people like me and you who who are on it are too but where where i think he is most successful in terms of he cut he cuts through all that you know that top three four uh even you know five levels he gets right down into the meat of it and he talks about why why we do things why we act in the way we do why we're motivated by the things we're motivated by and he gets that. and once you understand to you know those core fundamentals then i think it's easier to build a strategy around that i mean i i have this problem i also you know i do some consulting as well and if you um you look on my website which is uh, stevens.earth you'll see that i'm into lots of different things um and the reason i'm into lots of different things is because i i do feel like like your co-founder relationship your business is this 
you know, it's made up of all these different component parts that have to work together in harmony. Um, and so when I do things and people ask me, it's like, oh, Mike, mate, can you help with me with my marketing strategy or even like help me with, with, with supply chain? I was like, yeah, of course I can. But I insist on sort of knowing about the rest of their business before I tackle those individual problems. Because if you don't understand, you know, what the business is about uh, and how it's going about um, doing what it does, I don't think you can solve, you know, individual issues without looking at the whole well that sounds like a very good place to finish um yeah th thanks so much mike it's great to talk again um congrats again on on the book and um yeah thanks you know there are these common points that have come out again in this conversation around this space and when you hear people like yourself talk just think why on earth is it not like that like why that's just better it's just we wouldn't design it in the same way. We would design it exactly as you're talking about. Um, and I have to believe it's fundamentally better for everybody involved, not just the co-founders, but everybody trying to kind of do something really hard and difficult and exciting. And it doesn't diminish from that at all. So thank you very much for being on the podcast. And um, yeah, great to connect again. Oh, yeah, no, you're, you're very welcome, Dan.